Why are you shaking your head at me? You won. Played. Oh my god. Enjoy the money. I hope it makes oh you very god. happy. Dear Lord, what a sad little life. Played. You ruined my night completely so you could have them. Three points. But I hope now you spend it on getting some lessons in grace and decorum because you have all the grace of a reversing dump truck without any tyres on. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, you wouldn't, let's be honest. There's nobody in there, love. <laughs> so, played. Take your three points and get off my property. And welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a once again weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week are Rhys Haldane. Rhys, hello. Manpreet Singh's here. Hello, Manpreet. All right. Good to be here. Rough. And as David Forrest was injured in the warm-up, Jamie McDonald has stepped up to the plate for this episode. Jamie, hello. All right. It's good to be back. There's obviously one main thing we're going to talk about, and that's yesterday's, or as you're listening to it, Saturday's League Opener away to Clyde. It was Clyde 1, Partick Thistle 0, a goal from Ali Love in the second half. Uh, Reese, I'll come to you first. Uh, obviously a disappointing start to the season. What were your thoughts on the game overall? We've said since day one, we've been saying to start next season positive, 27 games, you just can't afford a slow start and that's exactly what we've done. It's the worst possible start with our rivals as well. But the game in general, when I seen the team, I wasn't not confident because I'm I'm, I'm happy with our squad this season, so there's nobody that, that I felt would let me down or let the team down or whatever. But when I seen that Rudden wasn't playing, I was like, oh, here we go again. Like, Zach Rudden's fitness man needs to come into question now because it's like, that's uh, he plays a game and he's injured. He plays a game and he's injured and it's never the same injury. It's, it's not a re- recurring injury. It's different me things. So I just, I don't know what's up with him, but like, I feel he's going to be one of the players who's whose career effectively is hampered by injuries and a lot of the onus will be on him Brian Graham this season so with Graham being out suspended I was looking forward to seeing Rudden but I felt Salim done okay well as good as he could have been he didn't have many chances he was feeding off scraps in, in general and had a few decent headers but when he came off I knew he weren't getting in from the game because you're bringing on Senna you didn't have many attacking options on the bench you had Blair Lyons Blair Spittle apart from that you're just you've got Williamson Speaking of Williamson, I felt Williamson should have been starting. Richard Foster thought it was a great signing for us, mate. He's not brought a lot to the team so far. I know he might be carrying a back injury or something, but he's looked miles off it. He's not been good going forward. Defensively, he's probably better than Williamson, but he's not got Williamson's pace anymore. He's not got Williamson's crossing ability, so next week I'd like to see Williamson start. But I thought he looked good for short spells. Like The only real chance I can remember... Ross Dockett's header flicked onto the post and then Salim's header knocked over and Clyde didn't really threaten us. They had their chances and then when we were pushing for the equaliser, Darren Brindley went up. They had a, they had a few one-on-ones and it could have ended up three or four. Past Jamie Steyden keeping us in the game. I thought Steyden was probably the only player that deservedly got past marks. Just a disastrous day, man. And it's made next week a must-win already. Uh, Manpreet, what were your thoughts on it? Like we said, it was a case of you need to start well, you need to get the last two odd years of pretty much mediocrity out of the system. And But we do terrible performance. We didn't really, like we said, apart from two headers, we didn't really create any clear-cut opportunities. Like, it's just not good enough. Like, yeah, Shea Gordon, we all love him, and he, he, you know they're playing in there. But he was—he didn't look like a number ten or link the midfield and attack together, and that is where we were lacking massively. Obviously, the, the striking option, as in once Stalin went off, you were like, right, we're in trouble here because we've got no strikers. The running injury problems, like, uh, like if, if we might have to sign another striker just to be safe because. 
what what is actually up with Zach Gordon this time? Like he's, he's, he's playing, he's not going to get a run of games because he's just injured every time he plays. It's almost as if playing him is injuring him. Like and it's just it's just not worth it. He's another one of those big names that we've signed that you've looked at and you've been like, right, that is a class signing on paper. He's came, he's been injured or he's just been inconsistent. We've, there's been so many signings and it's worrying to think that Rudden's going to follow that list. Personally, for me as well, I would start Williamson from now on anyways. Foster just doesn't look. I would start Williamson every week. We need his balls into the box, even his end product. He can put in a game. He will put three or four good crosses on Apple's head, and it just comes down to can the player direct it and on score, or can we get a rebound and go? But we just didn't have anything yesterday. It's painful. But it's just a typical thistle. You are just like hoping this the old thistle were gone and it's a new era and it's a new beginning, and it just it just wasn't, man. Like like they didn't they weren't that good either. Like they didn't have apart from when we went for it and just kind of had to throw everybody forward they didn't really create anything they said him as well Sneddon kept us in it they, even the goal was, he does well to parry it away from away and it just the rebound falls and oh, it's just painful man but Airdrie is now a, a must win like it's not a case of a oh, point blah blah like, the next three games are Airdrie Cove and Falkirk, like that, is arguably could be the second, third, fourth, like the top four is like all next or the top, the, the top three outside us could is, is arguably our next three games. Like, they we've got it all to do if we're gonna do you know what I mean. And like, we actually need to prove ourselves now that and make our marker champions because we need to go out against the other now and put a performance out there that's going to make a statement. Because yesterday should have been our statement. But it wasn't, and now we're playing catch up already. And you're one game in. Everybody else, the promotion chasers in a way, all of them won. Falkirk scoring two away goals as well. That's that's. I know it's only early on, etc. But that's but like scoring two away goals, like early on in the season, just shows a lot about just character in the team. Like we just didn't look like scoring, and they're scoring two late winners in the opening day of the season, and that's their first opening game. Uh, first opening day win since 2008, I think it is. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that, that's how you want to start a season. I think you made a couple of points there, man. Me and Reese were talking about just before we started. We were talking about Shea Gordon, and I think he is the type of player. He never stands out in a game, even when he's a match winner, I don't think. I think he's a, he's a really important player for us because he does score goals. And I think he will score some goals in League One this season. I think 10 goals is a reasonable target for him. But even when he plays well, he never stands out. So if he doesn't get those goals, he looks like he has a passenger in the game. And I think that's what happened yesterday. I completely agree with you though. Like, like Gordon, one of those players who, when when he plays, you don't notice him or at all, pretty much. But he gets the stats that like, he, he knows where to be in the right positions. And once or twice a game, he does get himself into a proper good position. And that's why you, I guess you have him on. But... He's not in like he he is the Erskine that we've pretty much got, and it's just 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 terrible, isn't it? I think you mentioned as well, but uh, wanting to start this season well, man. I mentioned on Twitter last night that hopefully that game's less a kick up the arse for the players, and a few people like, oh, they shouldn't need a kick up the arse after the first league game, and they shouldn't. But I think maybe the the league cup, how well we did, and maybe two and a half of those games worked against us. We obviously held our own against the championship team with 10 men. We looked good against a Premiership team, although it fell apart late on and we got a fairly comfortable win at home to the League 2 favourites. And maybe we just, a few of the players, not everybody, but a few of the players rocked up and went, well, this is Clyde. They finished sort of mid-table League 1 last year. This will be no bother. And it was just complacency. And hopefully that won't be allowed to set in again this season because that, that result yesterday will be the kick-up they actually need. Uh, Jamie, I'll come to you. Um, obviously, Salim went off injured yesterday and it seemed to fall apart after that with no strikers being on the pitch. We didn't have Brian Graham for suspension. Zach Rudden we've touched on was injured. What did you make of the substitutions McCall made yesterday? Obviously used all five the first time we've seen that in a league game. What did you make of the subs he made? Obviously it was annoying and Kudur Asaya going off because he got his nose broken I believe but uh, the subs that came on well, we didn't have a striker on the bench which is instantly a problem. Obviously with Rudden being injured again it's just 
I don't know, are we ever going to see him fit? It's just really disappointing because I fully fit Rodden would be great for us. But the subs we made, I was glad to see Lions and Spittle getting on the pitch with McCall saying that Lions stills finding fitness, which is, again, kind of frustrating to hear because he should be a massive player for us this season. He got double figures in League One last year. Blair Spittle came on. I didn't think he did as much as he usually did, but, I mean, he didn't do bad when he came on or anything. He just didn't have a massive impact. Lions had that decent chance when he went to kind of try to flick the ball over the goalkeeper. And Yang did all right when he came on. He was involved in quite a lot of the movements. Uh, I don't really remember Riley doing that much, to be honest, but he was brought on quite late in the game. Speaking of Williamson, I think he should be starting. I mean, Foster, I know it's already been said, so I'm just going to echo in it, that he's not been what I thought he would be, to be honest. He's been kind of disappointing. He looked like a great bit of business when we got him in, but it is early days, but I hope he improves his performances because just so far he just hasn't looked really at the races, really. He's a bit slow. I know he has that age, but Williamson's a lot faster. Williamson's kind of more like got an assist on him, I'd say, than Foster has so far. But I'm glad we brought him on, and I think he'll be starting against Airdrie, to be honest. But just a comment on yesterday's game as well. I feel that's the sort of game that we really missed, Dick from Glasson. Because like, I feel he player that can create something out of nothing, have a shot from distance, score a goal, get an assist. I mean, oh, he's yeah. the kind of player that if he hadn't got injured, I think he would have just... Uh, he would have been fantastic for us yesterday because I know Shea Gordon gets criticism for doing nothing in games from some people. He does pop up with a goal, but Declan Glassby, that kind of player in the middle, if he was playing Gordon's position, that I think could have maybe just got us a goal out of nothing yesterday. It's just real shame that we're not going to get to see him this season. I agree with you, Jamie. I know this is sort of an old pattern now, but Erskine and Doolan, it's not even the fact that we miss Erskine and Doolan, it's Erskine and Doolan types. And I think Declan Glassby would have been an Erskine type to come in drive the ball from deep and take us up the pitch, beat men, create things. We didn't have that. A guy like Doolan See, as well. What? It doesn't even have to be Doolan. Just in the second half, we were crying out for a guy just standing between the posts and just waiting for rebounds and scraps to finish them. See, one thing I'd also add, um, we, I don't remember us properly testing the Clyde goalie yesterday. Like, well, even just a pop shot just to try and catch him out. Just nothing. Like, it was... Poor man, like, ho- hopefully it's just a kick up our ass, man. To take a break from the misery of the Clyde game, I take a turn in this week's episode of the Strip Club to look back on my favourite thistle kits of all time. So this week on the Strip Club, we have Matt Greer. Um, Hello, David. We'll we just good, get down it's good, to it. It's good to, good to be on. It's good to be on the podcast. I, I know. Long, long time listener, first time caller. That's um, it. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you want to go for your number five strip? Um, my number five kit. I obviously listen to this podcast quite quite a lot. I don't think we've had a goalie kit yet, so I'm going to go for uh, Tam Cherney's top six goalie kit, the black one with the sort of pink lining through it. It's it's quite uh, striking, especially with the, the Kingsford logo right in the middle, but I think it has become quite an icon, well, for me, an iconic kit. I was a goalkeeper when I played football when I was when I was younger, uh, so I was sort of, I keep a special eye out on the goalies. I think Tam Cherney's probably the best goalie I've seen at Thistle, and that's probably my favourite kit of his. So, if you can't remember it, it's, it's black with pink lining, pink dots on the sleeves, pink collars, but all black, and I just thought it was... It suited them. We had another couple of kits that season. I think we had a white uh, with black shorts and socks, but I think the black goalie top from that season with the pink was the best one and the best one Tam Cherney wore in his time at the club. Uh, it's my favourite goalie kit as well. Uh, oh, Stranger, I always associate it with um, Torsten Strutman just because <laughs> uh, that was during like our injury crisis days and I vividly remember Torsten Strutman getting absolutely destroyed by Rangers in that kit. Uh, but no, I absolutely love it. It's it's a great, great kit. It's probably my, my favourite goalie kit. But certainly with the modern guy, I'd say it's the best goalie kit we've had. And your number four? Uh, my number four, I'm going to go for the, the 1971 Cup winning kit. Uh, the yellow with the red shorts and socks and the red collar. I know we, tr- we tried to recreate it last season and it came off a bit Albion Roversy. But I think when you look back and when you look at sort of classic Partick Thistle photos, that kit has features in a lot of them, obviously, because it's our most recent cup win. 
it, it just looks smart. It looks like a 70s football kit. You've got Alan Ruff there, Alan Green as well. It looks like a Sabutio team. When you think of Retro Partick Thistle, that kit pops into mind for me. And it's a shame what happened with the sort of tribute to it last year. I think last year's kit with the sort of red going down the, the rib cage sort of did send it to the Albion Rovers route and it could have done without that and just been all yellow with the red collar. But I, I do like it. It's it's a very smart kit and it, it just it screams Partick Thistle. I actually kind of wanted the tribute kit a bit more as we played in it more. But at first, yeah, it looked very Albion Rovers. But I don't know. They kind of, it kind of grew into it weirdly for me. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's an iconic kit, isn't it? Um, your number three? Uh, I'm going to go for another kit, which I don't think has been picked yet. It's the 2004-05 home kit. Um, it's DH, DH Morris is a sponsor. This kit's going in for me because it was a kit they this award, the first uh, game I went to. I think I'm in a small breed of Thistle fan. She started going during the Dick Campbell era. So it's oh. <laughs> it's a half and half split. So one half of the kit is red, one half of the kit is yellow. And it's got black sleeves. And it, it's very bold. And it just features all the colours that you associate with Partick Thistle really well. So it's got a big chunk of red, a big chunk of yellow and black lining. It's got black shorts and black socks with yellow lining on the shorts and socks. And I just think, it, it, again, it looks like a Partick Thistle kit. It's got all of the colours you want. It's not not any strange designs with stripes stopping halfway, stripes merging. It's just one half red, one half yellow, and some black lining. It's just, I think it looks smart. Strangely enough, I think at that time, I don't know why. Maybe I was maybe I was just reading the papers more, but you always tended to see that kit a lot, like sort of when I was younger and stuff like that. So. I know that that kind of strikes out to me as an iconic kit as well like in terms of it's just one that I always think of from like my, my teenage years, so to speak, or when I was at school. Probably the best of that sort of era. Um, and your number two? Uh, my number two kit is the Thistle kit that I've bought most recently, but it's the 93-94 away top. So it's the, the barcode, I suppose, with the black... It's predominantly black. It looks black from a distance, but when you come up close to it, you can see sort of red and yellow stripes very thin down it, looking like a barcode. It's got a really nice, smart-looking thistle badge, which is just a thistle, uh, a nice red collar as well. Obviously, I think a lot of people's favourite sponsor, Textile World, an iconic sponsor of the of the 90s era for thistle. And uh, I'm not sure how it would go down if you brought it back, if you tried to do a tribute to that kit. It's modern design. I don't know how that would go, but it's, just, it's such a 90s kit. I'm glad I bought it, and if anyone is looking to buy it, uh, Dunnetor Scotland, uh, Kieran Ashen's best pal. Uh, very reliable. <laughs> good kits from there, good yeah. retro kits. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, like, I, I think, because I, I, I think with these sort of kits, there is sort of a market for them in the sense that, like, people who are not Thistle kits will buy them if they're a bit mad. Like, I remember that, you remember that Huddersfield kit that was yes. a couple of years ago where they, it was like the 90s goaler kit? And you redone it, and it, it was really cool. And that that a lot of people went mad for that when that came out. I think there is certainly a market if you have a just really out there kit that you you redesign or whatever, you can kind of get away with, it and people will buy it. I, I have it as well. I think because Keaton bought it, and then when I seen that he bought it, I was like, right, I'm buying that. And then I, I was the exact same thing. Yeah. Yep. And your number one kit. Uh, my number one kit. I've, I've tried my best. I've, I've listened to feedback. I know a few people have said about the strip club. Oh, it's all modern kits now. And I've, I've tried my best to include some some oldies, but I think this is a few people's favourite kit. It's the seventeen eighteen away kit. It's the all black with the red and yellow swoosh across the chest. I think if you're designing a thistle away kit, it, that's basically what you do. It's it's all black. I, I like. I think Jamie said when he was on here. I like kits that are all the same colour: shorts, shirts, and socks. That, that ticks that box with all black and then obviously pays homage to the, the red and yellow thistle colours with a swish across the chest. I know we didn't have many great days in that kit. We won at St. Johnson, I think, 3-1. Possibly the only time we won in that kit. Might be wrong, but yeah, it's a very smart kit. I think we twice, because I'm sure I've seen so him in the did. We won cup. in the League Cup, didn't we? Yeah, aye, seen We might have won a League Cup game. Aye, we might have beat Airdrie in the League Cup one, actually. So, aye, there you yeah. go. We beat Airdrie, so worth it. Bring it back for Saturday. <laughs> Aye, exactly. <laughs> and um, moving on to your your worst kit. Uh, that's probably quite a controversial one, but I th- the pink camouflage one. Did was that one for charity? I know we did a pink, a black and pink one, uh, and 
the first season in the Premiership and it was black with pink socks for charity. I, I think we have, because we've had about four pink kits. Because we had one that was pink and blue and one that was, another pink one that was sort of like the camouflage kit, but it was kind of inverted and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm fairly sure it was to do with the, with the, with the Beatson or something. Like, or yeah, well, I've got to say, I do like how we do, do things for charities and organisations. It, it probably would be, if this was a top six, I've been sixth, but last season's away kit with the the rainbow down the, the side, I think I think that was a really smart kit too. And I think the club do really well to promote things like that. And obviously the Beats and Cancer charity with their away kits and years gone by, I think it's, it's a good idea. And I don't think we did it this year, any kits for any particular reason. Uh, and I know this will probably annoy some fans who think we're a, just a football club and should focus on football. But I think what we've done with away kits in the past has been good and raised awareness of issues. It's boosted the profile of the club as well. You see Hope, Hope Solo with the away kit last year, posing with that. I think it, it can only be good if we're, we continue to do things like that in the future. Yeah, no, I know. I totally agree. I think as well, like, I think with these sort of things, we, we kind of need to sort of court these sort of things. I don't, I don't think we can kind of afford to leave these things out, out, out in the cold, if you know what I mean. So, like, for example, the Beats and Cancer Trust and stuff like that, We've done lots of stuff for it and it was a fantastic thing. We raised a lot of money for it and stuff like that and you know that it was fantastic. And the, the LGBT kit, it was great. As you say, you, you saw lots of people who weren't um, necessarily Fistle fans like Hope Soul and stuff like that wearing it. I actually thought it was quite a smart kit as well. It looked really good. It when, when you When you seen players playing in it, it looked really, it really did. good. It did. Um, you didn't even really notice the strike that much, to be fair. But no, like I think as well, you were seeing, like, obviously, with the, the Proud Jags and stuff like that, that sort of thing makes it more inclusive for people where, you know, people who are, you know, LGBT plus or whatever would think, well, you know what, this is a team that kind of have my interests at heart. I'll go see them and they might pick up a season ticket or they might just go to a game every so often and tell their pals and stuff like that. I think with us being in the West End of Glasgow, went next to, you know, next to Glasgow Uni and stuff like that, we need to kind of quote those sort of people, um, like sort of younger people who are maybe came to Glasgow and they're looking for something to do that might be interested in football, maybe not, but just looking for something to do. There is a good untapped market there that I think these sort of things help with. I, f- I feel a bit bad now for going that, but I, I, I wouldn't buy it. I didn't like it. it. It didn't look like a football kit. Training top, maybe get away with it, but it's, no. For a football kit, I, I do like block colours. I think you've probably been able to tell that with the black one that I liked in the... 2004-05 home kit. I just like block colours. I think it looks smart. All these patterns sound like a bit of a da here, but all the, the patterns are not for me, guys. It's a bit of a cycling kit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you'd see somebody in the Tour de France on it, but I, I know, I know what you mean. Um, I, like, I, I, I like the endeavour. I like the fact that they did it and they were a bit mad and went out with it and that. But no, I think we have better kits than it. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the the pink kits are good because they're pink, but they're not good because they're good. If you know what I mean. And finally, uh, your iconic sponsor. So this is the sponsor that if you designed your dream Fissile kit and you had to have a sponsor that we had before, this is the one that you put on. It's the one you identify with Fissile the most. The one that if somebody says to you, "What's the best Fissile sponsor?" You're choosing this. So what would you choose? I know textile world's probably the most popular one, but I'm going to go Kingsford Capital. Um, I was having a wee think about this earlier before I come on and all good intentions to just employment law it's fantastic we've got a sponsor but it has been all tits up since they come in bring back Kingsford Capital top six season Kingsford Capital on the top don't think we had many outstanding kits themselves with that sponsor on it but I just think that sponsor it just it looks like a Partick Thistle sponsor it's it's just brilliant and if I was to design a kit, I would put that on it. I think the fact it's yellow sort of blends in the kit really well. Even on the away kits and the goalie kits, as I picked out the time chair, and it had the, the Kingsford Capital logo on it, but even black and pink, it still sort of went with it. So I would go Kingsford Capital as my, my best sponsor. No, I mean, I think there's two things that kind of go with that. And the one that you have, Kingsley, you have the actual mascot on the strip, which is not something you ever really see a mascot on a strip and it works well and secondly as well how many teams have a world famous artist design on on their strip like as an actual artist has put a design on their strip how many how many people that is you know are 
a Burnley running out with Moniz on their strip or anything like that, no. <laughs> I just want West Brom. West Brom should have a boiler on their kit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, absolutely. But, um, no, well, thank you very much for that. Um, Thanks, David. Thanks for having me on. I hope I hope I'm allowed to come back on one day. <laughs> cool. Thanks again. Hopefully, speak to you soon. Hi. <laughs> I'm going to come to you and talk about a few players that we've spoken about before in the podcast. Uh, Jamie Sneddon, I think we're all agree, was very good yesterday. He was very good on Tuesday against Queen of the South. Is he the undisputed number one for the foreseeable future now, do you think? Wednesday night, Tuesday night against Queen of the South, he was brilliant. He kept us in it. He made two or three really good saves during the game and then he obviously stopped two penalties. So a good day at the office. Yesterday, team were dreadful, but Jamie stood out um, Especially in the injury time, the dying, dying minutes of the game, he made a few big saves to keep it, keep the score lined in effectively. In terms of competition, I didn't really, I don't really rate the signing of Kieran Wright, but he did get his first Scotland cap last week. Came on at half time against San Marino, so I suppose it's never a bad thing. He might get his chance in the team soon. He might, he might prove us wrong. He might be a decent keeper. So, but for now, yeah, I think Snedden will get a good run now. I think McCall's kind of, I think he's won McCall over a wee bit. As of late, um, he seemed to form like, a good a good relationship with Brownlee and, Mc- and McKenna at the minute because they've looked good. I know we got beat yesterday 1-0, but I know the Betfred games McKenna and Brownlee have looked to build a good partnership and I'm looking to see more of that unit at the back. Jamie, I'll come to you next. We're all in a group chat, obviously, and we all speak about the games and we're watching them. And I think the one player, we've not really questioned much of McCall's decisions so far or many of McCall's decisions so far. I think the one player we're all keen to see a bit more of is Blair Lyons. He came on off the bench yesterday and he ended up sort of shoehorned in up front. Would you like to see him start in his more natural position at wide on Saturday? Or do you think uh, Cardle and Murray will keep their places for the weekend? Uh, I think it really depends on his fitness. I know McCall made a comment in the post-match about who's still finding fitness, but I think he's worth... If, if he is fit enough to start, then I think we really should start him. He's a player that can beat a man, he can score a goal, get an assist. He's a kind of player that you want in your side can just create something. He's got a ton of pace on them. Look at his stats from Montrose last season. He had some. I'm not sure exactly what number of assists he got was, but he got double figures in the league goals-wise. He's a player that you want on the team in this league, so I think we really should be starting him if he's fit. Player I take out from, oh, I don't know, it's not like Murray or Card loved him bad recently, either of them, but I'd probably say Murray, because I feel Murray's better through the middle than he is out wide, uh, and I keep Card out wide and put lines on the other side. See, one thing I'd like to add about the the fact that you said Cardinal and Murray haven't really done anything wrong. They've not really done anything right either. And that way that we are now in a position where not doing anything wrong isn't acceptable now. You need to be making, you need to be creating chances, scoring goals to be in our team. That's why, personally, I think we should start lines on Saturday if he is fit. If he isn't fit, like, what, what, what do we do if, like, keep players like, rested or something? Like how how do we have so many players that are constantly injured or always not fit when they've not like how how does that happen? I think that's quite an interesting point, man. Pre this talk that I've well come obviously come on to Ian McCall uh, a wee bit later, but there's been talk that the problems that we're, we're seeing sort of run deeper than Ian McCall. They run deeper than the players we've seen sort of similar trends for basically since we came top six, which is three and a half years ago now. We're a team that keeps a lot of the ball but doesn't have a lot of chances. We're a team that makes individual defensive mistakes and we are a team that always seems to have players unavailable and shoehorning players in. And maybe it is time like, we looked into fitness coaches. Are we keeping players fit in the right way? Obviously, we're probably not in the position to go into details about that, but I think that's quite an interesting point. If you look over the last few seasons, the amount of players we've had playing at a position, you know, we had Stevie Lawless at wing-back. We had last season Shea Gordon playing at wing-back. We didn't have a striker on the bench yesterday, so we've shoved Blair Lions up top. We seem to constantly be playing players out of position. It's just it's just frustrating to see. I remember the season we got relegated from the Premiership. We had 
uh, David Turnbull, no, not David Turnbull, sorry, Jordan Turnbull uh, playing a left back for a lot of the season. I know he can cover there, but he's primarily a centre half because we didn't have another full back available apart from Paul McGinn. It's just, we just seem to always have issues with injuries constantly. And Zach Rodden seems to be another one in the long line. We've had Mitch Austin. We signed Jason Banton. He didn't even play a game. We just seem to constantly have injured players in our squad that just don't end up managing to contribute much. And we don't get to see if they really have the potential to do well for us or not. But we didn't go on the deadline day needing a player. But we still ended up shoehorning a player in. Like how, the, like how does this happen? Like It's just... It's just sometimes just even our luck, man. Like how we got three strikers in the opening day of the season we're playing the last what the last twenty with no striker chasing a goal down. Do you know what I mean? How it's just what can you do, man? Man, I'll come back to you. We've obviously talked about uh, Snedden probably will keep his place. Uh, Jamie would like to see Lions come in. What other changes would you like to see for the Erdogan game on Saturday? Do you think he'll really shake the team up or do you think it would be a similar team with just maybe Graham coming back in if he's available I would personally start Graham has to be like like no matter what Graham has to start on Saturday against the other it's a bit bad that we're already saying that but he has to be the first name in the team sheet to also start Lions Williamson but um, we lack Williamson which is quite weird I never knew I'd ever say that in my life but we do need Williamson on right back to go forward not Defensively, he's been getting better. Obviously, Forster is the better defender. It's expected, and Forster should be the better defender like when you look at the careers, etc. But Williamson, going forward, is needed. And now to preview Saturday's game against Sergi, David Forrest has spoken to Sergi fan Colin Telford from the Only the Lonely podcast. Dum, dum, dum. joined by Colin Telford from the Only the Lonely Airdrie podcast um, to discuss this Saturday's game against Airdrie. Uh, Colin, how are you? I'm well, David. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on. So uh, we'll just start by talking about Airdrie's recent form. Obviously, we've had the three League Cup games and uh, one uh, league opener by Airdrie won. So I just want you to discuss how, how are you feeling about Airdrie's performance so far? Yeah, so far so good. The friendlies as well. Uh, we were unbeaten through all of our friendlies with wins over Queen's Park and Queen of the South. Uh, we lost to Aloha in the League Cup, which was a bit disappointing. And in truth, they looked quite a bit stronger than us for quite large parts of that game. But then Saturday's league opener, Peterhead had been on good form, had been up to Tana Dyson won. And so that, that was a, a really good start to get a 2-0 victory there. I would say we are going to be built on being solid um, we've got a back four uh, who were all there last year and I think the fans really like a new goalkeeper in behind them um, and a midfield which tends to be defence first as well so I don't think we'll concede many goals uh, but I also don't think we'll, we'll score too many uh, so we'll need to be pretty robust to have a good season Yeah I mean I think we, I think we expect it to be a bit more attacking but we, we expect uh, teams to kind of be hard to break down because we are the sort of the, the big fish coming down in the championship, so to speak. But um, I actually want to just uh, discuss a couple of the signings you made. I mean, Airdrie had um, an exotic signing uh, spree in the summer, uh, shall we say. I was signing Griffin Sabatini from Dnipro's reserves in Ukraine and the son of Lauren Robert, um coming to the club as well. I think for a lot of people it was a bit of a head scratcher trying to figure out. I mean, with, with Lauren Robert's son, there was all the chat about him turning down Premiership contracts and league on contracts and Bundesliga to come to Airdrie. I just wanted to fi- find out what are the fans' perception of these transfers and have you seen them in action yet? 
how do you think they're going to shape up? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why that would be a head scratcher. David, who wouldn't want to come to Airdrie? <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I think a lot of it, this is down to, to the networking. We've got a director of football, Stuart Miller, who's been there for, uh, well, this is really his second full season with us. He'd been at Stranraer previously. He knows this league very well. Uh, I think it's probably thought, okay, we don't have the biggest budget. We're going to have to try and uh, think outside of the box to, to to try and find their way out of it. Especially, I think, this year when we have got yourselves and Falkirk, who are two massive clubs at this level, whose resources should be much greater. And therefore, you're going to have to try and box clever to, to, to be able to compete with you. Um, the I mean, there's been three signings. There's another one that's not quite as exotic, but Owen Stokes is um, a former Republic of Ireland internationalist at various age levels. Had been at Leeds, um, but then his career's fallen away a bit there. Both he and Sabatini are through a, an agency based in Ireland. They're on their books, and I think that's down to we've got a good relationship with them. They've said they've said to fancy these two players. They've been able to look at whatever video, whatever, however you scout players during lockdown, and decided yes, they they, they were interested. Um, on Thomas Robert, uh, he is on the books of um, the, well, what was Willie Mackay's agency. I think his son Mark now runs it, uh, and there was rumours during the summer that that Harry Redknapp was involved in. Uh, was interested in becoming involved at Airdrie. He's very close friends with Willie Mackay. There definitely had been discussions because that was in the press uh, and I think this is a player coming in through that agency maybe to test the waters, maybe to see how it goes. So although it sounds far flung and exotic, it's probably more down to just our director of football having these relationships with different agents, these opportunities coming up uh, and the players coming to us. Each of them, they haven't played a lot of senior football um, certainly Thomas Robert's not played any uh, Griffin Sabatini I think had made his debut for that team in the Ukraine but not done much else and uh, Owen Stokes didn't make it at Leeds um, had played a bit in the Irish League so they, they've all got something to prove they're all they're all very young um, and so they've maybe taken a bit of a risk there but it's different to I don't know signing someone who'd maybe bounced around East Fife Montrose some of the teams at this level they've decided to go a different path in this sort of league, especially again with the same with us and Falkirk and Cove as well, you, you kind of have to maybe think, you know, as you say, box clever and just think, you know, get a unique approach to it. So absolutely no, and you know, I'm I'm really interested to see how they go uh, because it is certainly I think for clubs like yourselves and even for ourselves and stuff like that, we're finding the the sort of the transfer market is become a whole different beast. I mean, you've seen, I mean, from a fiscal perspective, we've seen like Doolin and Erskine going to sort of other businesses and they're kind of making their way out of football and they're, they're kind of regressing out of that. Same with like Higginbottom going to Kelly Hearts and stuff like that. You're finding that maybe players that in their 30s that before would have been sort of shoe-ins to, you know, get another year out of them at full time are, are finding alternative options. And you kind of need to think outside the box of that because those players you would have maybe went to a couple of years ago aren't necessarily going to be available with this sort of pyramid expanding, if you know what I mean. One thing I did want to ask about, actually, uh, Fissel signed uh, Charlie Riley, who was on loan at Airdrie last season from Hamilton. I know that he had a bit of a horrid injury and that kind of put paid to him doing much more at Airdrie before the, the pandemic. But I was just wondering, did you have much of a chance to see what he was like and what yeah, anything that you can maybe say that we could expect? No, so he came in at the same time as Leon McCann, who we were able to sign, and he's one of that back four who we're, we're very impressed with. And I was actually quite surprised that he's released him. Um, Charlie really joined as he had uh, got into the team. He was... He, he was um, yeah, but we, he just hadn't had many performances and then we had a game up at Starch Park and he got a horror tackle and that was him out for the rest of the season so I mean, we saw a couple of appearances from the bench he looked bright enough technically quite good but but we just didn't see enough of him to give you a, a full uh, a full picture so uh, yeah he's he's one of those still, still to be pro- proven still hasn't made a lot of uh, first team appearances Okay, good stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, actually, just because obviously we've kind of waded the waters in terms of uh, opposing team streams. We've had St Mirren 
who I think we were spoiled by having them as the first one of the season because it was flawless, but they had a premiership team who you know, use all the, the BBC cameras and stuff like that. And then we've kind of had other uh, teams in terms of uh, streaming. How has it been? Is Diamonds TV, is it better, Trey? How, how has the streaming been? How, what have your thoughts been on it? It's got better, I think, is the kindest way to put it. So we, we're on we're on Pixelot, which I know that lots of clubs are having difficulties with. Um, the first friend, they, they, they put out as a free stream for, uh, we played two friendies against Albion Rovers, and it, it was having real issues where... Uh, at corners at one end of the pitch, the whatever the software is that, that controls uh, where it focuses, it was looking at the goalkeeper up another end. They've they have made improvements to it, but yeah, I mean you're watching the you're watching the game from a fixed angle camera, and it is really quite restricted in terms of when the ball's over the far side of the the, the pitch or corners coming in from the other end, you don't have. Um, you don't have a close-up view. We're spoiled with. We're, we're used to watching football on TV, and we're used to companies like Sky and BT who will have umpteen camera angles and be able to edit and cut between them. Um, so it's it's better than nothing. Um, and our commentary teams, a couple of guys who uh, come on our, our podcast, are doing a, a great job, um, doing a lot of preparation and and kind of helping add to it. But it, it, it's limited, and it, it's difficult because. I mean, traditionally for us, if this was a fixture that we really enjoy, you get a chance to go up the West End, maybe get, get a bit of lunch, have a few drinks with your mates and then make your way to the stadium. Uh, we we all know that being in games where you get a bit of a bit of atmosphere, which traditionally down the years, uh, there's been some good ding-dong battles between our clubs, uh, is, is what it's all about. So it's just a really difficult season having to... Um, Make the best of it and, and follow your team in in this way. Uh, and and I mean, it's not. I, I think it's not going to improve massively because unless teams can start putting even a good camera behind the goals and a good camera in the main stand, but then you also need someone to edit what camera is going out. It's, it's just you can see that there would be a lot of money in that. And I I've not seen any numbers for streaming, but I suspect they're way down on what uh, an attendance would be. So. You do worry about the cash flow into uh, all the, the the clubs that we support. Yeah, no, absolutely, it's it's a bit of a concern, but hopefully they can kind of pull through. One thing I was actually going to ask about that, obviously you mentioned about how you quite enjoy a, a trip to Firhill and stuff like that. Obviously, we've played quite a few times in the league cup. Is it three times we've played you in the I league would, cup? I would say possibly four. I mean, we seem to have drawn each other. Yeah, and it's it's a bit depressing because I I speak about the. Kind of halcyon days of the past when it was ding dong battles and uh, I, mean, I remember the, the the season where Airdrie went bust, but we still managed to be in a a, a tussle with Partick Thistle for promotion to the to the Premier League. All of a sudden, uh, we kind of dropped down a couple of levels. This all seemed to be doing really well. Top six in the SPL. Uh, it got to the stage where rather than being rivals, you were chucking players out to us on loan. <laughs> so we had uh, we had Caelan yeah. McAleer from you. We had uh, with with Liam Lindsay as well. Um, so it's. Uh, I mean, I think we we want to see it more as a fixture where we we compete with you. We didn't expect you to make your way down to us. Hopefully, we can both be playing at a, a higher level. Pretty soon, um, but but it, yeah, it's 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 one that I, I think for most of my life, Thistle and Airdrie have have tended to be at around about the same level, uh, and uh, I don't know the proximity of the the two clubs. The fact that we are kind of traditional football clubs, they tend to be quite well attended games, and there have been some uh, some cracking games in the years. I remember one season it was a four four at Fir Hill, so the, the and it must have been an international break or something. So uh, the the radio then sent as the, the, the live commentary game because it'd been such a thrilling eight goal game and it was nothing each in the replay. Uh, <laughs> but but no, well, I've, uh, yeah, it's it's good to go to uh, to go to Fir Hill. It's one of the better away days out there. Is it? Uh, well, the question I was going to ask regarding that is. Is it does it still get the blood pumping for an Airdrie fan playing Thistle? Obviously, because of the rivalry in the past, do you care? Or I mean, like we found this with like obviously playing Clyde last week. Clyde were obviously a big rival for us for many many years, and again we kind of sailed you know higher up, and Clyde kind of stayed around, and we didn't play them very often. For, what once in the Ironbrew Cup when we cuffed them five one, and that was about it. And um, I think for the older generation, for ourselves at the Clyde game. It was very much still seen as rivals. Whereas the younger generation, it was kind of like we've not really had that exposure. 
is that sort of similar rear tray in the sense that is it still one that people care about or is it just a case of, you know, we used to play them now, we're playing them again, you know, it's just another No, fixture. I think when when the fixture list came out and at that time we were all hoping that we would be back able to actually watch games, uh, that that was, you looked for this and you looked for Falkirk. I think because it's, I mean, we had a, we had a brilliant a wee win at Falkirk last year, uh, and and Wraith Rovers away last year was pretty good as well. Even though we we, we lost the game up there, it's just it's been involved in more of an event. Um, I mean, I I like uh, one of the things about being lowered down the 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 leagues. You get to visit places and I've visited most grounds now, and it's nice to go to Forfar, and it can be a good away day, but it's not. Uh, it's not atmospheric. It's better when it's a, a better supported, uh, supported game. So I, I, I'm not. I mean, I'd certainly not. I don't think. Oh, I, I hate this. I can't wait to play them. I saw some of the uh, the, the the threads on Pie and Bovril with the Clyde fans and thought it was all quite cringeworthy. But uh, it's 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 a fixture that that we all uh, enjoy playing in. Uh, and, and I mean, I think. So, growing up watching Airdrie in the nineties, I would have seen the two clubs as broadly similar, similar in stature. I can't see that anymore. I mean, this will dwarf Airdrie in terms of what support she can pull. Um, but, but you feel like a proper football team that we should be playing, uh, and preferably not in this league. Yeah, I know it's it's quite mad the amount of sort of uh, quote unquote proper football teams, you know, sort of the big established fan bases that are in this league that you would. You kind of expect, like even like Rafe Rovers last season and stuff like that. You, you, it's it's kind of yeah, and it's a, and it's a challenge and it makes it hard to get out of it. Um, but it must mean that Aloha and our growth and teams like that are are running better, uh, better organisations than than our clubs are at the moment. Sadly, so so yeah, that's what that's what we need to hope changes. So um, obviously this is a Thistle podcast and obviously you're part of an Airdrie podcast, but I thought. Your thoughts? What do you think the prediction for the game will be? Uh, I think it'll be won by the odd goal. I did watch your highlights against Clyde, uh, and I was thinking that you might come into league and steamroller people. You didn't last week, but I'm not naive enough to think that that means you're going to have a a, a terrible season. So uh, I, I I think we will be defence first if we can ride our. My hope is that Airdrie by an odd goal, but that's I mean that's that's heart saying that rather than head. I've not seen in, enough of, of Thistle from your squad. Uh, if both teams perform to their maximum, then uh, I would say you, you should be favourites. And I see that the bookies have got us at three to one, so uh, they they rarely get it wrong, unfortunately. And look, I'd say to to. Thistle fans because that'll be a bit of a, a shout. In fact, I was laughing because we we all said the same thing. Oh, can't wait to get football back. I'll never moan about going to the football again. And then we, we lost you know in the League Cup Dalla, and the fans were all going mental. Uh, and you you had a similar reaction <laughs> on on Saturday. But but look at the league table from last year. There was only eight points between first and fifth. Uh, it's not. The, the two I'm saying proper football teams and stuff there's nobody who I think are going to be whipping boys uh, and everyone will be I think the level of coaching is actually pretty high in this league uh, everyone on their day will be able to to, to beat most teams uh, we we got, had a very similar defeat at Broadwood uh, in the midst of a great run last year um, so uh, I I don't think anybody is, is going to squish it uh, and I, I think it will be very tight. The fact that it's 27 games as well uh, adds something because, as you say, you, you don't want to have a bad run to start or else you'll have quite a bit of ground to, to make up and not a lot of time. Um, but uh, I don't think that any any of the teams are going to go out and beat everyone. Uh, and looking down the fixture card last week, I was thinking I was... Would not put my neck out uh, on the line for for picking the results. It's, it's going to be uh, really tough. It's going to be very scrappy. It's a, it's a blood and thunder league, so to speak. And um, yeah, you will just see teams on a roll getting beat out of nowhere by Peterhead, and you you'll see that sort of stuff going on. And it yeah, it's it's going to be a tough season. But um, thank you very much uh, for joining us, Colin. Um, it's been great having you on. Um, Good luck for the rest of the season, just obviously not on Saturday. No, no, thank you for having me on. I'd, I'd, I'd echo that. Yeah, I hope you have. Uh, I hope you have the second best season in the in, in the league. Uh, <laughs> but but as you know, it's it's, uh, it's a shame that we're all stuck streaming these games. Hopefully, uh, we can all get on top of this pandemic and, and get or or come up with some safe way to to watch it in the future. Um, but I just wish. 
uh, all, all the clubs, uh, not even just in our league, everybody to to get through this and uh, and uh, yeah, let's just enjoy what we can uh, out of the the, the fixtures and, and the dodgy streams for for as long as we have to. Maybe tomorrow, an no more sorrow, but that's the chance. We've got a question in from VBL about Ian McCall. Uh, I know Reese has got a bit about the fans' reaction to the game yesterday. Reese, I'll come to you in a minute about that. But Jamie, VBL's asked realistically how many more poor performances can McCall get away with. Um, I think Manfred made a good point earlier that the next three games are against probably our three most realistic title competitors this year. Normally, I'd be giving a manager the first round of fixtures, so nine games, but I think in a 27-game season... It, it's hard to give a manager that much time if you if you are, we are going to drop points. So, Jamie, in response to VBL's question, how many more poor performances do you think McCall can get away with? Is he a man under pressure? I know there's a lot of opinions on this. I wouldn't say he's un, what well, he's kind of under pressure from the get go. As in, we've got to we can't stay another season in this league. But I wouldn't say he's under pressure to the extent of if he loses one game, then it's already talk about him getting sacked. I think he is the best man to take us forward. You know, he actually has the club at heart in the right place. He's not just here for the wage packet or to move on to a better opportunity. I think that if we lose the next three games, then it's going to have a detrimental impact on the season. Everybody can see that. I mean, if we, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just mean, if like the worst game to the worst, we just flopped in every single one, then he would be under extreme pressure, I think. But I can't see us losing all three. I think that, if we don't get promoted at the end of the season, then there definitely will be some got it's got to be some discussion about what's going to happen moving forward because it's not acceptable for us to spend another season in this league. But for now, I, I want McCall in the position either, and I still believe he's the man to take us forward. He signed all these players, so he's the one that wanted this team. So if we sacked him after a couple of games, then it's going to bring someone else. It's not his team. And then will we just revert to the usual, let's wait till January, let's wait till January. The new manager can bring in his players, which we keep doing recently, and it's not worked. So for now, I, I, I'm not wanting him. I'm not calling for his head yet. I think it's a bit hot-headed to say it's time for him to go already. I mean, I, I just can't see that. Reese, what did you make of the fans' reaction online yesterday? I know social media is not the best place to gouge how all fans are feeling in a fan base, but there were a few comments that McCall should go, the players aren't good enough, comments about the ownership behind the scenes, things like that. What did you make of the reaction from the fans? Um, of course, like every every Fissel fan's hurting, man. We've just lost opening league game of the season against like one of our better rivals. Like Yesterday, mate, I was actually gutted after the game. I was like, all the optimism just drained out you, mate. You feel so deflated. Like Every new season opening game, you're like, right, it's a chance for a fresh start. A chance to go and win something, and every Fissel fans in the same boat. We're all gutted, but there's Fissel fans out there point scoring like for their agenda. Like I was talking to it with a few of the, the boys I go to games with. There's guys out there happy to see Fissel lose as long as it suits their agenda and suits their point scoring, and it makes them look they have the upper hand over other Fissel fans. It's sad, mate. Like obviously, there's everyone was raging yesterday, and there's people who are like, "Oh, me call out fucking there's more to it behind the scenes that." These players aren't good enough. It's the same people that two days ago were saying, oh, what a squad we've got. It's the best squad we've got in years, etc, etc. Some are too quick to jump the gun. And I hate to see like other Fissel fans having a go at each other over Fissel getting beat as if as if it's their, as if it's the fans' fault. Oh, it's your fault. Having a bit of optimism, it's your fault for trying to create a, a good vibe around the club, know what I mean? But it's stupid, me, And it, I, I hate to see it. Uh, Manfred, you're uh, the podcast's biggest presence on social media, some of it good, some of it bad. What did you make of the social media reaction yesterday? And just coming back to VBL's question, what do you make of Ian McCall? Is he under pressure or does he have the full season, really? I was, after the loss, just drowning my sorrows in as much boo as I could, so I, didn't, I wasn't even on my phone after it. As soon as they scored, I had to turn my Twitter notifications off. As soon as like the ball hit the net, I was like, I'm done with this. Uh, but... People saying for me call out and all that, man, get a grip. Like the problem, everybody's like, oh, we we have to go to Jack. Like 
same with Sack McCall, you go to January, you try and rebuild, and then next season it happens again, blah, blah, blah. You give McCall time. I, personally, I, I'm going to stick my neck out in the line. I'd say I'd genuinely give McCall the whole season. We can still get through the playoffs, albeit we should win the league. Not winning the league is a failure. Going up through the playoffs is still a failure, but we've job done. We've, we've got up. As long as we're promoted, I don't care how we do it. So, personally for me, I give McCall the whole season. Is But if you're looking at it in a perspective, sacking-wise, depending on how far we are behind, six, seven games and the season that we've got, we, we, the next three arguably need to be three wins. Three wins is, is the minimum we can get from them now. Like We have to go and make statements against the next three and the next three games. So, as the, I generally give McCall till the six or seven game mark. And if we're not either top or say like second and like one point behind or two points behind because obviously we've dropped points already then you're looking at big question marks you talked yourself out of that man you're giving him the whole season and then a minute later you're six or seven games if I'm not top that's that no no I mean like personally no no I mean like personally see like me personally I would give him the whole season but see if you're talking about like other people when they're saying oh like McCall out the now I'd say you can the only time where McCall out like, stuff becomes kind of relevant or like kind of acceptable is after six or seven games. Like it's, We've played one game. Like, this could hopefully be the, the slap in the face that we're not going to hit the end of, let's be honest, until New Year's Day and hopefully we beat them. But, but hopefully this is the slap in the face that we're going to just go and make a statement next week. That's fair enough, man. The only other change that I would have made for the team against Sergio is I might put Spittle in for Gordon because I think when Spittle played as a number 10 for us, that was some of his best performances under Caldwell when he was playing as a number 10. I think that's when he was at his best. Uh, so I might start him as number 10 instead of Gordon. Uh, I, I agree with Jamie. If, if Spittle was fit, I know they said about his fitness, right? What a surprise that is. I would, if Spittle is able to play and he's fully fit, etc., I would put him in the 10. Gordon has been good. Uh, well, hasn't... He's been he's been good with the the runs etc. But he's not he's he's not had a game where you've looked at that game and been like right Gordon was good that game or Gordon stood out that game which we we can't afford that so I would start Spittle if he is able to like if he is fully fit pretty much even start Spittle and bring Gordon on if we are chasing a goal and just leave both of them on if we are chasing a goal we shouldn't be chasing a goal. I think that's quite an interesting point, Man. That's one thing I might ask. We obviously played a four two three one yesterday and that had uh, Docker and Bannigan at the, the base of midfield as the two sitters. There was criticism for Stuart Bannigan yesterday and I think we all agreed when we were talking about the League Cup that Bannigan and Docker were, were going to be starters pretty much week in, week out. They were really impressive, formed a good partnership in the League Cup. Stuart Bannigan did come under some criticism yesterday. Do you think we need two sitters in this league? Because if we played Docker, he's sitting by himself. It could free up Gordon and Spittle to play centrally in front of him in a 4-3-3? Or do you think the criticism of Bannigan was over the top and it's just a case of, similar to Penrice, he's held to slightly higher standards because he came to the Youth Academy? I think I actually think that's quite a good shout because I, as a team who are expected to go and be challenging for a title, you don't really need two holding midfielders, but Bannigan and Doherty have looked brilliant for us. But... As I say, as a team that's going forward challenging for titles, you don't really need that. So you could bring in the likes of a Spittle or a Gordon or Charlie Riley or a Murray in that position instead of them. But I feel any time Fissel play bad at the minute, the first thing people go to is slag Bannigan, slag Penrose, because it's two guys that have been around since the Premiership days. Two guys, every time Fissel lose, they're the easy scapegoat because oh, they both came through the Youth Academy. They're both Fissel fans' favourite. They're both McCall's favourites. But... I genuinely feel bad for Bannigan that sometimes. Of course, Bannigan's not been anywhere near his best. Like, of course, ever since his injury, he's been miles off it, but he's not the worst. And I thought, like, I actually think this season he's been pretty good, but I don't really think like the abuse he was getting yesterday was merited. But I'd probably still play Bannigan next week, but after that, if we're not attacking as much, especially for how they're going to have to change it up. And I don't really mean bring in Senna, because that's pretty much like for like another defensive-minded player. I mean, like I just said, bring in a more attack-minded midfielder, like i.e. Conor Murray, Spittle. Banzo and Dog together are his best midfield partnership in the league, but both of them are two defensive 
midfielders that Doc, I think Doc is good enough just to sit and play himself in the middle. He's unbelievable. Like, he will probably be the player of the year. Like, he's unbelievable. Like, he, he is just, like, I, I didn't know, expect him to be as good as he, as he was. But we, if we are struggling against Airdrie, for me, Banzo would probably be one of the first players to get taken off. Not because he's bad or he's playing bad, just for the fact that you take Banzo off and you put another attack midfielder on and then, boom, you've got two attack midfielders helping the three front. I'm guessing will be a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, so like the 10, I'm kind of counting as a midfielder here. Two attacking midfielders like that are playing slightly deeper help out the three going forward then we can because we have got the squad and the five subs we should be making the most when we can just when we've got the players just sitting on the bench we've got a full squad or obviously we didn't have a striker yesterday like how but but we should be able to have enough subs and we have enough subs to make like game changing like formation just bring on another like say take off Banzo also, I'd like to I'd say Banzo and Penrice shouldn't like they two are the, the easiest game goals. Like some of the abuse they're getting is over the top by miles. It's just like, like fair, fair enough, they weren't standouts, but they weren't it's not like they fell over the ball or anything that they were just to go to because they've been here from the Premiership to Championship to League One and they have also always kind of been the manager's favourites. That's just because of how important they are and how good they are, not because like the 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 favourites for a reason. But it's always the same people who are straight on in the negative. Like we were saying earlier on about the agenda stuff. Like people are proper waiting for it to say, right? Obviously, it's another season we've started poorly. It's we've changed, we've had three different managers. Blah blah blah. It's higher up the fault. Like. Like, there's people who are out there who are choking for us to do a bit bad just so they can blame the board, the, the manager, or the, just say, oh, I told you this wasn't going to work. I told you he wasn't a good manager. Like, it's just, come on, get a grip. Like, people just need to chill out and just stop, like, trying to point score. Like, at the end of the day, if we lose, people shouldn't be like, I told you so. It should be uh, that wasn't good enough. Yeah, kind of echoing what's already been said about the kind of scapegoats of Bannigan and Penrice, it's not. I mean, like it's not Barrigan's fault we lost the game yesterday. Yes, he might not have had his best match, but it's not the reason we lost the game. Also, other players that get blamed quite a lot, Shea Gordon and Tam O'Ware. I know these players come under some legitimate criticism sometimes, but some of it's just too much. Like, oh, I saw people slagging off O'Ware yesterday. I mean, he wasn't even on the pitch. I just think that blaming the same players all the time, it's not going to make us do any better. The manager trusts these players. They're going to get played either way if people think that they're bad or not. And they're not as bad as some people make out. Like, they're good players for us. Bannigan and Penrice, they're key players in the team. They're, I mean, they're not maybe because some people hold them to such high regards, people think that they're not doing as well as they should be. And sometimes they're not, but they're still good players on our side. And I, I think Tamil Weir is a good player on our side as well. I know he's not been the same player since injury, but he's not been dreadful by any means. And hopefully he recovers from this injury and can be a good player for us this season as well. Just coming on your Tamil Weir point there, uh, Jamie, I just like to add that see the people that put words into his name to make it like Tamil Bomb Scare or Tamil Nightmare. That is the worst kind of patter I've ever seen. My patter on average is about 3 out of 10, but even I look at that and go, that is that is awful. Like grown men thinking Tamil Bomb Scare is funny. That I've said and my that piece is, on that. That, that is, like, I, I agree with that. See when I see that, I, I genuinely die inside when I see that. I'm like, what are you doing? You, you, you have a family. And you thought Tamil Bombsker is okay to tweet in the public? No, mate, stop. Get help. It's not like they've actually got variations of it. It's Tamil Bombsker, Tamil Nightmare, ta- mate, they, they fucking love that shit. The other one I've seen is Tamil Nowhere. How is that funny? That's just, that is awesome. <laughs> just before we finish today, I'd like to thank the club on behalf of the podcast for our recent runners up finish and the Supporters Recognition Awards that took place recently. We're all absolutely thrilled at the podcast with our nomination and we're very much looking forward to our frame certificates too. Uh, we'd also love to wholeheartedly congratulate Caroline Mackey for a richly deserved win. Um, her work in setting up and tirelessly promoting the GoFundMe page that's raised tens of thousands of pounds for the club during this trying time uh, is very much appreciated by all of us here, the club too, and I'm sure all Thistle fans. 
Uh, so once again, thank you. We're all chuffed at the podcast being so warmly received. And as long as you keep listening, we'll keep talking nonsense and try to bring you more interviews, quirky features and daftness. As always, thanks for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. I've been joined by Rhys Haldane, Manpreet Singh and Jamie McDonald. I've been Matt Greer. We'll be back next week to preview, hopefully, Thistle's first league win of the season at home to Airdrie. As always, stay safe and wear a mask. Thank you.